I, I mean, like, look, suffice it to say, it, this is all just getting back to, to the Greeks and virtue that the best buzzard is the one who buzzards best. Absolutely. Yet another problem with reading. Uh, I'm Brevin. I'm Steven. Uh, and per usual, our the good boy Sam is not with us. Um, we miss which you, Sam. We miss you, Sam. All right. Uh, hey, Steven, what do you what do you drink right now? Right now, I am drinking a bit of fruit tea with some honey in it. Fascinating. It so, is. So when I first came up with this question, our our podcast recordings were almost exclusively on if not weekends then weekend nights and so the beverages you know were more interesting and varied um but i've noticed that recently they've gotten a lot more common uh commonplace that is probably just because we're now doing this on the weekday so much it also could be that we're you know we're we're growing old and we can no longer take the um the wild carefree days of our youth uh less than a year ago Mm, um alas for for the passing of time Alas, indeed. Uh, as for myself, uh, I am drinking some lovely gunpowder green tea with some homemade ginger slash red pepper uh, simple syrup, which gives it a nice little zing and zip. Ooh, I do like that. Yeah, some some uh, little syrup, little green. A- you said green apple syrup. What? No, it was green tea with something syrup. What was the syrup? Ginger, ginger, red ginger pepper. syrup. How did I hear apple? That's a very good question. I have no idea. I, I honestly don't know. I apologize for that. My mind must have been elsewhere con- contemplating my own mortality as time passes and I can no longer drink whiskey. Indeed. It's <laughs> no heaven forbid that that day come. Um, it's it's it, it's also possible that I did say Apple. We'll find out when I check the recording later. Um, you will indeed. And the reader will know because I'll have to rewind here for like uh, probably going on 20 seconds now. With some homemade ginger slash red pepper uh, simple syrup. With some homemade ginger slash red pepper uh, simple syrup. Um, but anyway, uh, speaking of going on for twenty seconds, one person who's never had, uh, who's who's never wanted for things to say, is our good friend, uh, friend of the show, frequent guest, uh, Kanye West, and now he's saying something new, uh, Stephen. I believe you have something about that. Kanye is indeed saying something new. Uh, Kanye has recently uh, announced that he has become a Christian. uh, And in fact, has uh, also announced or announced through his uh, publisher or agent or whoever that person is, that he will be exclusively singing uh, gospel music now and has kind of wanted to distance himself from, uh, from more secular stuff. So I, I, Generally, don't know what to make of this sort of stuff. I'm not much of a fan of pop culture, but recently uh, there was an opinion article posted uh, called "How Christians Should Respond Respond to Kanye's Reported Conversion" by Peter Heck. Uh, and thankfully, this week it is certainly shorter and less heady than last week's with David Bentley Hart, uh, but no less relevant. Um, and I'm taking it from Discern, D-I-S-R-N, which is a uh, the new news outlet in town that so far I've been thoroughly impressed with. Um, it aims at the Christian demographic, and it contains both opinion pieces and news reports, and I've been very much enjoying their work. Uh, it's by the uh, producer of the Babylon Bee, for those of you who are familiar with uh, the, the best satire uh, around. It is a, it's, a, 
it's a heavy competitor with prdnc.com, um, prudence.com. Wait, really? Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that. No, I'm, I'm making that. Oh, gosh darn it, brother. Okay, well, now that I've just displayed my uh, naivete at believing that my uh, my close friend would not would not tell a lie to me, um, I will I will continue. So uh, this article raises a topic that we brought up a few podcasts ago, um, as mentioned, uh, that Kanye has converted to Christianity, and uh, it discusses kind of the two most common responses that Christians have to celebrity conversions: uh, that of kind of either extreme excitement, you know, huzzah, look, a popular person has converted, you know, look at us, we're cool, uh, or extreme cynicism, uh, you know, uh, alas, another celebrity trying to cash in, get another fan group, or trying to attract attention, or, or what have you. And he he does an interesting juxtaposition with uh, with those two extremes. And uh, comparing them to the reaction of a lot of celebrity news outlets, which are certainly not huge friends of Christianity, uh, such as Mashable, Entertainment Tonight, and The Hollywood Reporter, all of whom were surprisingly interested and curious about this conversion experience and held nowhere near the contempt uh, that the celebrities risk from their ostensible fellow Christians. Um, And Heck kind of urges Christians to adopt a paradoxically a a, a similar approach to these these news outlets. He kind of says instead of rushing to lift up these celebrities as the new icons of uh, of American Christianity or slandering them uh, as attempting to cash in on Christianity, we ought to quote restrain our emotional impulses and instead choose to react in a way that is humble and obedient to Scripture. End quote. He reminds us of Paul's words to Timothy concerning leaders that they ought to be mature and experienced Christians, not new converts. But he also encourages all Christians to pray for those converts, celebrity or no, and to rejoice that a soul has indeed found Christ. Uh, with Kanye and with all celebrities, we ought to indeed hope that the gospel truly has reached them. Quote, not for our sake, not because Jesus needs a celebrity to help his holy cause, but for Kanye's sake. And because all of us, including celebrities, are in need of Jesus to help the otherwise hopeless cause of our own souls. End quote. So I confess I struggle with cynicism with this. I see celebrities embracing Christianity as kind of begging for trouble, that the eyes of the world are on them, and I kind of wait for them to say or do something horrible and besinger our good name. Our good name. Uh, this article was a really good reminder to me that those celebrities are humans, and the image of God is as alive in them as in me. And while I certainly hope that no cringeworthy action comes from uh, them, I also ought to remember that there have been plenty of, shall we say, cringeworthy actions done by leaders of Christianity, pastors, priests, theologians, and the list goes on. So perhaps I ought to be careful in making such rash judgments. On the other hand, I do see concerts like Jesus is King, a Kanye experience, and get very nervous because that does look like cash grabbing. Plus, I look at that and see Kanye's name right next to Christ, which just strikes me as off. So with that, I think the comp- the conclusion of Peter Heck uh, is is a good one, that we ought to be discerning but not cynical. Do I agree with this particular concert, what have you? No. But then again, I look back at the time of me being a young zealot on fire for Christ and determined to save the world for him, and I also cringe a little bit. Uh, so I indeed hope that Kanye has found Christ and rejoice at him having done so, um, which I... I don't know. I think that's that's about the the closest I can kind of come to a conclusion with that. I mean, personally, I'm just looking forward to all of the great rewrites of classic Christian songs that we can look forward to now, such as um, you know, like "Jesus is my boyfriend" and "Jesus <laughs> take the wheel." I mean, the possibilities are just literally endless. At least as long as the title has Jesus in them. Oh, absolutely. 
I'm just thinking you just take the reel like on a low riding car. Like, that would just <laughs> yes. be perfect. Yes. Yes. Um, there's also lots of options um, of replacing, you know, sort of old fashioned words like, I don't know, grace or vision, you know, to, to, to be instead like, uh, like be thou my yeet or, or <laughs> amazing yeet. How, how great the sound, you know, that yeeted me straight to heaven. I don't know. Whatever. There, there's all sorts of, of, of options here. Um, but Stephen, the problem that I have with that article um, is the that problem with reading it, as it were. The problem with reading, uh, as it were, is um, it, it's entirely too nuanced, uh, even-handed, and reasonable about this whole thing. I, it's, it's hardly even news at that point, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I need fresh, spicy takes. And if there's one thing that this podcast is known for to our listener, it is that we give the spicy takes. So, so mm. here, so here we go. He contrasts two very accurate reactions, which are on one hand to go crazy with excitement and elevate the, you know, the convert, like, look, Christianity is winning. American Christianity, isn't it great? Look, we're cool. Or on the other hand, having lots of condescension and cynicism and, you know, all sort of cynical about it, as it were. The base of both of these reactions is stems from the same source, which is the this lionization of celebrities that we have in our society. Um, and, and, and I would note, we do live in a society and with their place at the center of culture. You know, these celebrities as the center of, of culture is made to be so and therefore reflects in large part the, the pieties of an elite class or group or clique that as a general rule holds people who take religion seriously as either quaint or dangerous depending on the day. So when a celebrity bucks that line, these people who are, you know, viewed as less intelligent or what have you by those at the center, it's exciting for those people to have someone finally join them on 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 their side of the of the battle line or or maybe out on the periphery, um, as it were. So the elevation comes from having a champion, and likewise, I think the condescension comes from seeing someone who you know is very late to the party perhaps at a convenient moment and, you know, gets to enjoy whatever benefits there may be with very little cost um, and, and, and possibly also from being betrayed in the past by various ce- celebrities. I, I think the article mentions at least one instance of that. So with all that in mind, I, I, I really think that our only ethical option is to either exile or defenestrate, uh, which means to throw out a window, um, all of the celebrities in America and actually probably the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, we can't decide on defenestration or exile. Um, we could defenestrate and then exile. Uh, both of any of those three options would be acceptable with me. We could exile them first and then go to where they've been exiled and defenestrate them. Four options. I stand yeah. corrected. I, I, I mean, we the, there is a myriad of uh, ideas that we can have. With a a myriad of defenestration and exile options that we have. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. And now that is that is news right there. That was a spicy hot take, and therefore worthy of any major news organization. You got to You got to add a little bit more outrage, though. Like no, so, no, no, something like you're angry, and therefore like you're gonna destroy this one opponent's beliefs or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mad, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. Mm. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. No. No. My my aesthetic is you know sort of the very dry, laid back commentator. Um, uh, I'm, no. 
I'm sure I'll find my audience someday. They're out there. They're just waiting for me. Um, <laughs> that's why I tell myself every day when I'm crying myself to sleep. Exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, crying yourself to sleep, uh, let's talk about fan fiction. You know, that the fiction that's written about all the characters from Harry Potter that you wish you could date. So you write a little cutesy story about it, how you're dating Harry Potter, and it's very nice. But then you get it between him and Voldemort, and it turns out it's your true love's kiss that actually saves the day in the end. I didn't write that. Um, but uh, my article is about uh, fan fiction, and it is uh, called What Fan Fiction Teaches That Classroom or That The Classroom doesn't and it is from our good friend the atlantic magazine um and it starts off with quote nk jemison the only author to win the prestigious hugo award for best science fiction or fantasy novel three years in a row partly credits fan fiction for her ability to draw in readers a quote from her fan fiction tends to have a built-in hook because it's written in a world you're a fan of you're predisposed to like it you have to find a way to make it not just the world that people are tuning in to read so that they are interested in your story, end quote. Personally, I've been long skeptical and critical of fan fiction on sort of the grounds of writer pride, um, especially when I was younger. I, I was most passionate, about, most passionate about this during my teen years and spent uh, at least some time debating in an online forum for students at an online school that I took classes from. And in my opinion then, parody, you know, intentional, um, mockery was the only legitimate way to copy other people's work. Writing any other type, any other form of fan fiction was weird and and, and bad and uncreative. Now, and I even got into several like article slash you know posting fights back and forth with people about the topic. It was very epic. You, sh you should have been there. However, there is an angle that I must grudgingly admit I didn't properly consider. A quote, a fan fiction site is a uniquely energetic learning environment. Unlike in a classroom where a writing prompt is as likely to be met with groans as with enthusiasm, writers on fan fiction websites are thrilled to be there, excited to write, and passionate about the material because it's based on a book, TV show, movie, video game, or something else that they already love, end quote. And they also note that because the hook for the story already exists, it's linked in with existing stories, there's more obvious room for critiques about craft, both in faithfulness to the original material, but also in the various uh, aspects of actually writing, the form of it. And this comes from numerous and sometimes thousands of different people, each with differing areas of expertise. And as it turns out, empirically, the environment on these fanfiction websites is extremely oriented to being positive and constructive criticism. A quote from the article, reviews of fan fiction are overwhelmingly positive. Out of a sample of uh, 4,500 reviews on fanfiction.net, only 1% were what they called non-constructive negative reviews or flames. Uh, furthermore, quote, research also found that in the communal tutoring happening on fanfiction websites, it led to a quantifiable improvement in people's writing, at least by one metric. They analyzed 61.5 billion words of fanfiction stories and 6 billion words of reviews from fanfiction.net, tracking every lexical diversity or complexity of vocabulary of users over time. They discovered that for every 650 reviews that writers received, their vocabulary improved as much as if they had aged one year. And this they, they call the idea of distributed mentoring. You get lots of comments on all these short little stories that you're writing from people who are enthusiastic about the material and want to help you write it better. And I hadn't considered this aspect. So after a bit of, of introspection, I would have to admit that when I was most passionately against fan fiction, 
I was already in a very constructive environment. In other words, I, I didn't need it, so I didn't think it had any use, which was a, you know, a forum with numerous involved writers all my own age who exchanged stories, posted traded ideas, much like people do on fanfiction websites. And I also realized that maybe my greatest accomplishment on this forum website was a text post-based uh, role-playing game where everyone wrote characters from their own novels and short stories into a large combined story, sort of like a, not exactly like a Hunger Games thing, but, you know, all these people had their own novels. We all add, added our own characters and had them go at it. And it was, in essence, a giant fan fiction and one that eventually turned into a 100-page novel. Um, pretty fun. Um, so all that to say, while I, 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 I still have a visceral reaction against fan fiction i must now admit having convinced myself or having been convinced i i suppose that it can be a very valuable and worthwhile activity um, um but i'm not happy about it um and i'm not going to take it anymore i respect that you, you you stick to your principles even when you're proven wrong you stick to your principles <laughs> that is one of my many uh, good qualities oh absolutely i so two things first immediately leap to mind first might I just say, for once, you actually made a transition from one article to another that made actual sense. I'm just, I, I, I kind of don't know what to do with that. I'm just so thrilled with it. And then second, right now, like your description of that, that debate on the online forum where you were saying how, like, you know, the only proper way to, uh, to like kind of not steal from, but to use someone else's work is in parody. I'm just right now imagining teenage Brevin like sitting back in a in a leather chair, like twirling around a uh, or not twirling around, but like moving around a like a, a glass of apple juice, staring into it and just saying, "Mmm, fan fiction, how derivative." <laughs> That's a a, a a glorious image um, that definitely happened. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, I I imagine so. I. I, I, I confess I kind of did have a similar thing, though not nearly as academic, but kind of this view of fan fiction as just this kind of inherently immature kind of Im images of like angsty teenage uh, teenagers writing about their crushes uh, and expressing that through, you know, like Harry Potter or Hunger Games or what have you. Yeah, you one one maybe angle is is. Um channeling the energy that that theoretically should be used for world building and creating characters into wish fulfillment mm -hmm. precisely and I'm, I'm certain that does indeed happen but i was surprised by how compellingly it was argued for and it actually makes a lot of sense i mean in essence they're crowdsourcing education with that they're they're crowdsourcing literature um and writing abilities and yeah, having an entirely an entire community of people who are actually interested in this topic and have therefore a really good motivation to make sure that you are becoming a better writer. That like why wouldn't? So I I'm kind of delighted by that. I there was also a, a tiny aside, the fact that you're writing on something that you really like, you already have a vested interest in. I I think the there's one quote from a teacher that brought kind of these lessons with her to an elementary uh, classroom and had her kids uh, start writing. Uh, uh, there was a, some writing unit and she said, okay, kids, I want you to write me a story about Minecraft. And apparently they were, they were so eager, they were begging her to skip recess so they could keep writing. And there is something very delightful about that, that this is a way to get people interested in writing when it otherwise seems like such a chore, such, such a dolorous task. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's very accurate. 
um, in many ways. Um, I didn't, I, I will confess, I didn't look at detail at the uh, study that they used in this, but I'm sure I could pull some McIntyre or something if I wanted to be cynical about the methodology. But I mean, just from a logical point of view, like you said, the all of the these good things aligning to make a very positive and helpful community, both just in terms of community qua community, but also community as um, craft honing organism. Um, they're, they're all there. It Actually, as you were describing it, I was reminded of a um, Robert George lecture talking about how the intrinsic value of friendship um, and the way you, you were describing the community of a fan fiction site hypothetically would work and how this article describes it is very similar to uh, the communities that uh, McIntyre describes as you know having in, in goods intrinsic to them and, and friendship, the qualities that it has. So there we go. Uh, fan fiction is virtue is, is, is the conclusion of Huzzah that statement for fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Fan, 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 fan fiction, true fan fiction is the, uh, something on the, uh, it's the golden mean of wish fulfillment. And I, 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 I don't know, parody, I guess, I think parodies a vice probably, uh, because it's cynicism and we mustn't be cynical. That is the the great sin, uh, according to he who must not be named. Hmm. Wait. According to who? Oh, you're good. You're good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Although I thought that was Dumbledore that said that was a sin, not he who should not be named. I don't. I. I don't know. I don't know. Like that sounds like something Dumbledore. Dumbledore uh, Hogwarts. Wait. Hold on. Damn it! I was trying to do an initialism there, but I. I'm forgetting the initials. <laughs> Speaking of Dumbledore, though, I did meet Dumbledore uh, the other day. I met met him in the form of a uh, of an abbot uh, at a local monastery, and uh, I I went there, and uh, the entire time, like I saw him, and just immediately thought Dumbledore, and very quickly told myself to shut up and not say anything. And then he says it. He's like, he 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 pulls. He ends up pulling out a Gandalf staff and sword, and starts talking about how many times that he's got he's gotten mixed up with either Gandalf or Dumbledore. <laughs> what a boss! Del- delightful man. Tree fun, everyone. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the name of the of the monastery? Uh, All Merciful Savior. I think it's over in Vashon Island. All Merciful Jesus, save us. Mm. Um, all righty. Um, well, speaking of uh, saving us from things uh let's let's do my rant first this time i i won't push that to you so the thing that i'm being saved from is attending a particular university who sent me a uh a a funny email um and and this might be a little bit reading into it it might be a bit uncharitable um but i am nothing if not always charitable Um, i always say about him that's what he always says um Mm -hmm. but but only when i'm when i'm when you're around to hear it yeah, I, I, I was going to say, say something more ominous, like, like only when I'm, I don't know, have a pillow on your head saying only dreams now. Um, whatever. Oh, dang, that got dark. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I am currently in, in the process of examining some some grad schools, looking at the future forward. Um, and one of them sent me an admissions email, a pitch like, hey, you know, come apply to our university. We're we are cool up here up in New York, um, and I don't want to go to that place, but the, uh, the, the point of this email made me want to not even more. 
Um, and the pitch was how much the university was doing to support the climate strike on September 20th or whenever it was. There have been like several in the past few weeks. I, I, I don't know. And I know that there is an entirely nuanced way to talk about this whole thing, but uh, this is rant time. So hold that thought forever. So here's, here's the thing. Pitching me your graduate education program that will cost me like $100,000 by showing off how much you support students taking days off from it. And this, you know, and for me, I'm not terribly bullish on the chances of actions like this actually doing anything. So what this ends up looking is frivolous self-aggrandizement that just will simply add more trouble to the huge debt that I'm already going to be in. And that is just the perfect way to convince me a cash-strapped, cynical Zoomer. Uh, so well done all around. Well said, well said. Uh, for my own rant, uh, unless you, unless there was something else. Oh, no, that's all. Okay, good. Uh, for my own rant, uh, recently there is, uh, Brevin probably knows him and hangs out with him all the time, a Catholic bishop, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, who is an auxiliary bishop of, I think, someplace in California. I want to say San Francisco, San Diego. One of the sands, I think, appropriately enough. Um, and he is one of the more, I, I suppose, internet media savvy uh, bishops. I'm not sure how savvy the rest of them are with the internets. but um, And he, he has previously done uh, an Ask Me Anything on Reddit. And he did a, did a follow-up. He did another Ask Me Anything uh, a few, I think maybe a week ago or so. Um, within recent memory. And kind of as expected the, the the reddit universe is not the most friendly with religion and so there was a smattering of genuine uh questions and a smattering of very disrespectful uh questions and at first like i was i was impressed by his breadth not his depth and the fact that he was like quite engaging and was trying to answer as many questions as possible but just the idea like the, this forum uh, the forum of reddit is just not at all conducive to these conversations, first of all, I mean, like a lot of the questions being asked are really difficult and require a ton of nuance and uh, and kind of careful navigating and argumentation and rhetoric and whatnot. And so he's he's already kind of his back is up against the wall because this 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 forum is not very conducive, especially in asking anything where you have to be answering, you know, tens of questions every like minute or so. And combine that with the fact that any of his answers, no matter how good, no matter how bad we're just flooded with these really, really cynical, I'm, I'm going to say downright mean-spirited um, responses by tons of ostensible trolls or just really angry people who would just be flinging mud, downvoting anyone that was supporting him, and just kind of ruining a, what was an otherwise really good chance at having a conversation with somebody that was very well-steeped, obviously, in Christianity and in Christian theology a conversation between a person like that and a, a large set of mostly non-religious people. And it, it, what started out as quite an opportunity to have a dialogue just kind of degenerated into a bunch of people yelling at him. And it's just kind of sad to, to, to watch. And it makes me rather frustrated. That is indeed a sad thing. And that was a rant. Indeed it was. Indeed. Indeed. I need yeah. to get better at, at, at ranting, though, in like an angry, passion sort of, passionate sort of way. I'm working on it. I'm working on it, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be yelling one of these days. I can do it. He's building up the rage. Uh, exactly. well, it, well, if we keep losing in the video games, um, I'm sure you'll get there. 
That is the truth. That is the truth. Oh man, yeah, it has happened before. On an unrelated note, our, our our dear Sammy Samuel, I believe, is going to see Robert Barron in person at a speech he's given giving on Robert. New- or no, sorry, uh, uh, the Blessed Newman. Uh, yeah, in, in in Oxford on occasion of his uh, canonization that is coming up presently. Oh, wonderful! Sam's getting yeah. canonized. Man, that's that's really fast. That's a fast track right there. They normally wait till they're dead, um, but as he said before, he's dead inside, so they, they made an exception. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm sure the canon lawyers were all over that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Turns out someone left out, an, uh, ironically enough, an Oxford comma in one of the pages way back that made room for it. Oh, buddy, that'll, that'll teach him to, to remember those Oxford commas. Indeed it will. Well, with all that said, I believe this has been a uh, superb, succinct, dare I say, snappy episode of The Problem With Reading. Uh, So for everyone here at The Problem With Reading podcast, uh, I'm Brevin. I'm Steven. And we will see you next time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Enlightenment. Oh yeah, enlightenment. Uh, you, want, you want to you want to do that closing that closing again? Because generally, I, I I just couldn't think of anything to to shout out. Uh, I kind of like us liked us stumbling over each each. each okay, yeah, each, no, let's yeah. let's run with it then. Because okay. actually, that makes a lot of sense because I generally shout something out. Yeah, like, and, this time, and and therefore we just stumble over each other. No, perfect. Yeah. Yep, cool, cool. All right, well, good time. That was snappy. That was.